Section 15 of On the Nature of Things. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nathan at antipodeanwriter.wordpress.com. On the Nature of Things by Lucretius. Translated by John Selby Watson. Section 15, Book 5, Part 3. And that early race of men upon the earth was much more hardy, as it was natural that they should be, for the hard earth herself bore them. They were internally sustained with bones both larger and more solid, and furnished with strong nerves throughout their bodies, nor were they a race that could easily be injured by heat or cold, or by change of food, or by any corporeal malady and during many lustres of the sun revolving through the heaven they prolonged their lives after the roving manner of wild beasts no one was either a driver of the crooked plough or knew how to turn up the fields with the spade or to plant young seedlings in the earth or to cut with pruning hooks the old boughs from the lofty trees that supply which the sun and rain had afforded or which the earth had yielded of its own accord sufficiently gratified their desires they refreshed themselves for the most part among the acorn-laden oaks the earth too then furnished abundance of wortleberries even larger than at present which you now see ripen in winter and become of a purple colour and many rude kinds of nourishment besides ample for hapless mortals the florid freshness of the world in those days produced the rivers and fountains then invited them to quench their thirst as the echoing fall of waters from the high hills now calls far and wide the thirsty tribes of wild beasts afterwards they occupied the sylvan temples of the nymphs well known to the wanderers from which the goddesses sent forth flowing rills of water to lave with a copious flood the humid rocks trickling over the green moss and to swell and burst forth with a portion of their streams over the level plain nor as yet did they understand how to improve their condition by the aid of fire or to use skins and to clothe their bodies with the spoils of wild beasts but they dwelt in groves and hollow mountains and woods and when compelled to flee from the violence of the wind and rain sheltered their rude limbs amid the thickets nor could they have any regard to any common interest or understand how to observe any customs or laws among themselves whatever prize fortune had thrown in the way of any one on that he seized each knowing only to profit by his own instinct and to live for himself and venus united the persons of lovers in the woods for either mutual desire reconciled each female to the intercourse or the impetuous force and vehement lust of the man overcame her or acorns and wortleberries or choice crabs were the purchase of her favours and relying on the extraordinary vigour of their hands and feet they pursued the sylvan tribes of wild beasts with missile stones and ponderous clubs and many they overcame while a few escaped them in their dens and when surprised by night they threw their savage limbs like bristly boars unprotected on the earth covering themselves over with leaves and branches nor did they trembling and wandering in the shades of night seek to recall the day and the sun with loud cries throughout the fields but silent and buried in sleep they waited till phoebus with his roseate beams should again spread light over the heavens 
for since they had always been accustomed from their infancy to see darkness and light produced at alternate seasons it was impossible that they should ever wonder at the change or feel apprehension lest the beams of the sun being withdrawn for ever eternal night should keep possession of the earth but what rather gave them trouble was that the tribes of wild beasts often disturbed the rest of hapless sleepers while driven from their cell at the approach of a foaming boar or stout lion they fled from their rocky shelter and yielded up with trembling at the dead of night their couches of leaves to the savage intruders nor yet did the race of men in those days leave with lamentations the sweet light of life in much greater numbers than at present for they more frequently at that period one individual of their number being caught by wild beasts and consumed by their teeth afforded them living food and filled meanwhile the groves and mountains and forests with his shrieks as he felt his bowels buried in a living tomb while those whom flight had saved with their bodies torn and pressing their trembling hands over their grievous wounds called on death with horrid cries until destitute of relief and ignorant what their hurts required cruel tortures deprived them of life yet in those times one day did not consign to destruction many thousands of men under military banners nor did the boisterous floods of the sea dash ships and men upon rocks but the ocean though often rising and swelling raged in vain and to no purpose and laid aside its empty threats without effect nor could the deceitful allurement of its calm water entice with its smiling waves any one into danger for the daring art of navigation was then unknown want of food then consigned languishing bodies to death now on the contrary abundance of luxuries causes destruction the men of those times often poured out poison for themselves unawares now persons of their own accord give it craftily to others afterwards when they procured huts and skins and fire and the woman united to the man came to dwell in the same place with him and when the pure and pleasing connections of undivided love were known and they saw a progeny sprung from themselves then first the human race began to be softened and civilized for fire now rendered their shivering bodies less able to endure the cold under the canopy of heaven and love diminished their strength and children with their blandishments easily subdued the ferocious tempers of their parents then also neighbours feeling a mutual friendship began to form agreements not to hurt or injure one another and they commended with sounds and gestures their children and the female sex to each other's protection while they signified with imperfect speech that it is right for every one to have compassion on the weak such concord however could not be established universally but the better and greater part kept their faith inviolate or the human race would then have been wholly destroyed and the species could not have continued its generations to the present period but nature prompted men to utter the various sounds of the tongue and convenience drew from them the names of things almost in the same manner as inability to use the tongue seems to excite children to gesture when it causes them to point with the finger at objects which are present before them for every creature is sensible that it can use its own faculty even before horns are produced on the forehead of a calf it butts and pushes fiercely with it when enraged and the young of panthers and whelps of lions contend with their talons and feet and teeth when their teeth and talons are yet scarcely grown 
we see moreover that the whole race of birds trust to their wings and seek a fluttering support from their pinions to suppose therefore that any one man then assigned names to things and that men thence learned their first words is to think absurdly for why should this one man be able to distinguish all things with names and to utter the varied accents of the voice and others not be deemed able to do this at the same time besides if others had not also used words among themselves whence was the knowledge of them engrafted in him whence was power first given to him that he should understand and discern in his mind what expediency would wish to effect one likewise would not be able to compel many and oblige them by force to submit to learn his names of things nor could he by any means teach or persuade men unfitted to listen what was necessary to be done for neither would they at all bear with patience or long suffer him to din into their ears to no purpose the strange and unintelligible sounds of his voice lastly what is there so wonderful in this matter if the human race whose voice and tongue were in full vigour distinguished various objects by sounds according to their various feelings when dumb cattle and even the tribes of wild beasts are wont to utter different and distinct cries when terror or pain affects their hearts and when joy prevails in them for this you may observe by manifest instances when the large flabby jaws of the Malassian dogs begin to growl, as they are irritated, exposing their hard teeth, their violent fury threatens with a far different sound from that which they utter when they merely bark, and fill all the neighbourhood with yelping. And when they begin to lick their whelps tenderly with their tongue, or when they fondle them with their paws, and, snapping at them, affect gently to swallow them up with teeth suspended over them, they soothe them with a sort of whining, using their voice far otherwise than when they howl, deserted in lonely buildings, or when with crouching body they slink whimpering from beneath a blow again does not the voice of the horse seem also to differ when as a vigorous steed in the flower of his age and pierced with the goads of winged love he rages wildly among the mares and when he utters a snorting for war from his expanded nostrils and thus with his limbs trembling neighs in quite other tones further the winged tribes and various birds hawks and eagles and gulls which amid the waves of the sea seek their food and living in the salt water utter far other cries at other times than when they contend for sustenance and fight about prey occasionally also the long-lived generations of crows and the flocks of ravens change their hoarse notes with the weather when they are said sometimes to call for rain and showers and sometimes to cry for gales of wind if various feelings therefore impel the inferior animals though they are destitute of speech to utter various sounds how much more consonant is it to reason that men even in those early days should have been able to distinguish different objects by different names and lest perchance in reference to these subjects you should meditate with yourself as to the following point and be anxious to know the origin of fire i will inform you that lightning first brought flame down upon the earth for mortals and that from thence all the fire in the world is spread abroad for we even now see many substances struck with fire from heaven ignite when the ethereal region has sent down its flames though it is not to be forgotten indeed that when a branching tree struck by the winds is shaken and agitated moving to and fro and pressing against the boughs of another tree fire 
excited by the violent friction, is elicited, so that sometimes, while the branches and stems are rubbed together, a fervid glow of flame bursts forth, of which causes, accordingly, either might have supplied fire to mankind. The sun next instructed them to dress their food, and soften it with the heat of flame, for they saw many things, throughout the fields, mollified by the force of his beams, and subdued by his warmth. Hence those who excelled in sense, and had power of understanding, taught the others, every day, more and more, to change their rude diet, and form a mode of life, for new practices and improvements by means of fire. At length, the leaders began to build cities, and to found fortresses as a protection and refuge for themselves. They also divided the cattle and the fields, and allotted them according to the beauty and strength and understanding of each individual, for beauty was then much esteemed, and strength had great influence. Afterwards, wealth was introduced, and gold brought to light, which easily robbed the strong and beautiful of their honour. For men, however strong, or endowed with however beautiful a person, generally follow the party of the richer. But to man, whoever governs his life according to true reason, it is great wealth to live on a little with a contented mind, for of a little there is no want. Yet men wished themselves to be honoured and powerful, that their fortune might rest on a steady foundation, and that themselves, being strong, might pass an undisturbed life. But this they desired in vain, for as they strove to reach the highest honours, they rendered the course of their steps full of trouble, and still, though they attain their object, envy, like a thunderbolt, hurls them at times from their preeminence, and seeks them with scorn as into the gloom of Tartarus, so that it is far better to obey in quiet, than to seek to hold states under our sway, and to manage kingdoms. Let men, therefore, if they will, sweat out their life's blood, wearing themselves to no purpose, and struggling along the narrow road of ambition, for the highest objects, and whatever are more exposed on eminences, are generally sooner scorched with envy as well as with lightning, since they gather knowledge only from the mouths of others, and pursue things rather from what they hear than from their own judgments. Nor does this folly prevail more now, or will it prevail more hereafter, than it has already prevailed in past time. Kings, therefore, being deposed and slain, the ancient majesty of their thrones and their proud sceptres lay overthrown in the dust, and the illustrious ornament of the royal head, stained with blood beneath the feet of the rubble, mourned the loss of its supreme honour, for that which has been too much feared before is eagerly trodden down. Power, accordingly, returned to the lowest dregs and rabble of mankind, whilst each sought dominion and eminence for himself. But at length the wiser part taught them to establish a government, and made laws for them, that they might consent to observe order. For mankind, weary of passing their lives in a state of violence, were worn out with contentions, on which account they fell more submissively under the power of laws and strict ordinances. For because every one, in his resentment, prepared to take revenge for himself more severely than is now allowed by equitable laws, men, for this reason, became disgusted with living in strife. Since, from this source, the fear of punishment poisons the enjoyments of life, for violence and injury involve every one, and generally recoil upon the head of him from whom they arose, nor is it possible for any one to live a quiet and peaceable life, who violates by his actions the common bonds of peace. For though his guilt escape for a time the knowledge of both gods and men, yet he cannot feel sure that it will always be hidden, 
since many speaking frequently in dreams or being delirious in sickness are said to have revealed their secrets and to have published to the world long concealed crimes in the next place what cause spread abroad throughout the wide nations of the earth the notion of the existence and power of the gods and filled cities with altars and led solemn sacred rites to be instituted which sacred rites now flourish and are performed on all important occasions and in all distinguished places whence also terror pervades mortals a terror which raises new temples of the deities throughout the whole globe of the earth and impels men to celebrate their worship on feast days it is not so difficult as it may seem to explain for in those early times of which we speak the tribes of mortals beheld in their minds even when awake glorious images as of gods and saw them in their sleep still more distinctly and of a wondrous magnitude of figure to these therefore they attributed vitality because they seemed to move their limbs and to utter majestic words suitable to their distinguished appearance and mighty strength and they assigned to them an immortal existence because their appearances came in constant succession and their form remained the same although they might certainly have deemed them immortal on another account as they would consider that beings endowed with such apparent strength could not easily be subdued by any destructive force and they thought them pre-eminent in happiness because the fear of death could thus trouble none of them and because at the same time they saw them in their dreams do many and wonderful actions and experience as it seemed no difficulty in the performance of them besides they observed the revolutions of the heavens and the various seasons of the year go round in a certain order and yet could not understand by what causes these effects were produced they had then this resource for themselves to ascribe all things to gods and to make all things be guided by their will and the seats and abodes of these gods they placed in the sky because through the sky the night and the moon are seen to revolve the moon i say the day and the night and the august constellations of night and the nocturnal luminaries of the heavens and the flying meteors as well as the clouds the sun rain snow winds lightnings hail and the vehement noises and loud threatening murmurs of the thunder o unhappy race of men as they attributed such acts besides ascribing bitter wrath to the gods what lamentations did they then prepare for themselves and what sufferings for us what fears have they entailed upon our posterity nor is it any piety for a man to be seen with his head veiled turning towards a stone and drawing near to every altar or to fall prostrate on the ground and to stretch out his hands before the shrines of the gods or to sprinkle the altars with copious blood of four-footed beasts and to add vows to vows but it is rather piety to be able to contemplate all things with a serene mind for when we look up to the celestial regions of the vast world above and contemplate the firmament studded with glittering stars and reflect upon the revolutions of the sun and moon the apprehension lest there should perchance be an almighty power of the gods above us which guides the stars in their various motions begins then to raise its head as if awaking within our breast an apprehension which perhaps before lay dormant under the weight of other cares since poverty of reason and ignorance of natural causes disquiet the mind while it doubts whether there was any birth or commencement of the world or whether there is any limit of time unto which the walls of the world and the silent movements of the heavenly bodies can endure this incessant labour or whether the heavens divinely endowed with an imperishable nature can as they roll along time's eternal course defy the mighty power of endless age besides 
whose heart does not shrink at the terrors of the gods whose limbs do not shudder with dread when the scorched earth trembles with the awful stroke of lightning and when the roars of thunder pervade the vast heaven do not people and nations tremble and do not proud monarchs penetrated with fear of the deities recoil in every nerve lest for some foul deed or arrogant word the dread time of paying penalty be come when likewise the mighty force of a tempestuous wind raging over the sea sweeps athwart the deep the commander of a fleet with all his powerful legions and elephants does he not solicit peace of the gods with vows and timidly implore them with prayers for a lull of the winds and a prosperous gale but alas he implores them to no purpose for frequently seized by a violent hurricane he is nevertheless borne away to the shoals of death thus some unseen power apparently bears upon human things and seems to trample down proud faces and cruel axes and make them merely a sport for itself further when the whole earth totters under our feet and cities shaken to their base fall or threaten to fall what wonder is it that the nations of the world despise and humble themselves and admit the vast influence of the gods over the world and their stupendous power to govern all things moreover brass and gold and iron were discovered as well as heavy silver and the substance of lead at a time when fire had consumed mighty forests upon the high mountains either from lightning having been hurled upon them or because men warring among themselves in the woods had set fire to them for a terror to their enemies or else because moved by the goodness of the soil they wished to lay open fertile fields and to render the country fit for pasturage or because they sought to kill the wild beasts and to enrich themselves with their spoils for to catch the game by means of pitfalls and fire became a practice before men surrounded the forest with nets or roused the animals with dogs however this may be or from whatever cause the rage of the fire with frightful noise had consumed the woods from their deepest roots and had melted the earth with heat there flowed from the boiling veins uniting in the hollow places of the soil a stream of silver and gold as well as of brass and lead which when they afterwards saw it congealed and shining with a bright colour on the ground they took up being attracted by its glittering and smooth lustre and they observed that the masses were formed of the same shape as the figure of the receptacle of each had been it then occurred to them that these metals being melted with heat might settle into any form or figure of things and might also be fashioned by beating out into the sharpest and finest points of instruments so that they might make tools for themselves and be able both to cut down the woods and hew timber and smooth and polish boards as well as to pierce excavate and bore these instruments they at first attempted to make of silver and gold no less than of the strong substance of hard brass but in vain for the consistence of those metals yielded and gave way and both were alike unable to bear severe usage accordingly brass was then more in esteem and gold was neglected on account of its uselessness as taken only a dull edge and blunt point now brass is despised and gold has succeeded to the highest honours for thus revolving time changes the seasons of things that which was once in estimation becomes of no repute at all while another thing succeeds and bursts forth from contempt something which is daily more and more sought and which when found flourishes among mankind with special praise and wonderful honour it is now easy for thee to understand of thyself my minimus how the nature and use of iron were discovered the first weapons of mankind were the hands nails and teeth 
also stones and branches of trees the fragments of the woods then flame and fire were used as soon as they were known and lastly was discovered the strength of iron and brass but the use of brass was known earlier than that of iron inasmuch as its substance is more easy to work and its abundance greater with brass they turned up the soil of the earth and with brass they excited the tumults of war and inflicted deep wounds and took away the cattle and lands of their neighbours for everything unarmed and defenceless easily surrendered to those that were armed then gradually came forth the sword of steel and the form of the brazen pruning hook was turned into contempt with iron they began to cleave the ground and the contests of doubtful warfare were made equal and it appears that man mounted armed upon the back of the horse and guided it with reins and exerted his right hand to fight before he tried the hazards of war in a two-horsed chariot it also doubtless occurred earlier to yoke two horses than four or then to mount in full armour on chariots equipped with scythes in process of time the carthaginians taught fierce elephants with towers on their backs and with snake-like proboscis to endure the wounds of war and to throw vast martial battalions into confusion thus sad discord produced one invention after another to spread terror in battle among the tribes of men and add a daily increase to the horrors of contention they tried bulls also in the business of war and endeavoured to impel fierce boars against the enemy the parthians too sent strong lions before them with armed keepers and daring guides to govern them and hold them in chains but such attempts were in vain for the savage beasts heated with tumultuous slaughter and shaking their terrible manes on every side disordered all troops without distinction nor could the riders soothe the spirits of their horses which were alarmed at the roaring of the lions and turned them with the reins against the enemy the lions in their rage threw themselves with leaps among the soldiers in every part they flew at the faces of those who came against them and seized on others from behind unawares and clasping them round about threw them to the earth sinking under wounds clinging to them with their strong teeth and hooked talons the bulls tossed their own people and trampled them under foot they gored with their horns and sides of the horses and their bellies underneath and tore up the earth with alarming fury but the boars killed their own friends with strong tusks staining in their rage the broken darts with their blood and spread promiscuous destruction among cavalry and infantry for though the horses leaping aside shunned the fierce attacks of their teeth or rearing up pawed the air with their feet yet they struggled to no purpose since you might have seen them sink down hamstrung and cover the earth with a heavy fall whatever beasts they thought sufficiently tame at home they saw in the heat of action maddened with wounds cries flight terror and tumult nor could they recall any portion of them to order for all the different kinds of beasts scattered themselves abroad as elephants even now when imperfectly inured to weapons flee hither and thither after having inflicted much cruel damage on their masters thus and with these views it is possible that they might act but i am scarcely inclined to think that they could not originally foresee and consider in their minds how general and calamitous and evil such warfare would prove to succeeding times but they were willing to adopt this practice not so much with the hope of conquering as to cause annoyance to the enemy and men who distrusted their numbers and were without efficient arms naturally grew desperate and were ready to perish themselves if they might but destroy their opponents the garment of skins fastened together existed before the woven dress the woven succeeded the discovery of iron for by iron weaving is performed 
nor indeed of any other material can instruments of such smoothness as treadles spindles shuttles and rattling yarn beams be produced and nature obliged men to work in wool before women for all the male sex far excel in art and are much more ingenious than the female this state of things continued until the sturdy husbandman made it a reproach to the workers in wool making them consent to resign it to the hands of women and themselves to endure hard labour together with the tillers of the ground and strengthen their limbs and hands with severe toil but of sowing and planting and of grafting nature the great producer of all things was herself the first example and origin for berries and acorns that fell from the trees exhibited in the proper season a crop of seedlings underneath from observing which they also ventured to entrust slips to the boughs and to plant young stocks throughout the fields they then tried different methods of tilling the kindly soil and saw wild fruits become improved in their lands by being cherished and indulgently cultivated and they compelled the woods to withdraw daily further up the mountains and to give room below for tillage so that they might have meadows lakes rivulets cornfields and rich vineyards throughout the hills and plains and that a green tract of olives marking the ground might run between other trees stretching far over the heights and valleys and plains as you now see all gardens distinguished with varied beauty which intersected with rows of dulcet apples men lay out and adorn and which they keep planted around with other fruit trees but to imitate with the mouth the liquid voices of birds was practised long before men could play melodious tunes and delight the ear with music the whistling of the zephyr through the empty reeds first taught the rustics to blow through hollow stalks then by degrees they learned the sweet plaintive notes which the pipe pressed by the fingers of the players pours forth the pipe which is now found through all the pathless groves and woods and glades through the solitary haunts and divine resting-places of the shepherds thus time by degrees suggests every discovery and skill evolves it into the regions of light and fame these melodies softened the hearts of those swains and delighted them when they were satisfied with food for then everything affords pleasure oftentimes therefore stretched upon the soft grass near a rivulet of water under the boughs of a high tree they socially though with no great wealth gratified their senses with pleasure especially when the weather smiled upon them and the seasons of the year painted the green herbage with flowers then jests and pleasant talk and agreeable laughter were wont to be enjoyed for then the rustic muse had full vigour and influence then sportive gaiety prompted them to deck their heads and shoulders with garlands of flowers and leaves and to stand forth in irregular dances moving their limbs stiffly and to stamp on mother earth with heavy foot whence arose smiles and jocund laughter because all these exhibitions had then greater effect as being new and wonderful hence to produce various modulations of voice and to weave tunes and to run over the reeds with compressed lips were compensations for want of sleep as they watched during the night from whom also the men of the present day wakeful and nocturnal orgies have received and maintained the same practices and have learned to preserve regularity of numbers and yet they do not even now enjoy their amusement with greater delight than that which the sylvan sons of earth then experienced for that gratification which is present if we have previously known nothing more agreeable delights us pre-eminently and seems to be superior to everything else but anything better which is discovered afterwards blunts and alters our feelings as to all we enjoyed before thus dislike of acorns came upon mankind thus those ancient beds formed of grass and leaves were abandoned 
skins too and the savage dress fell into contempt a dress of which i can imagine the discovery to have excited such envy that he who first wore it possibly died from a treacherous combination against him and that his garment being torn with much bloodshed among those who slew him was at last spoiled and rendered incapable of being used in those days skins in these gold and purple disturbed the life of men with cares and harass it with war in which regard as i think blame has fallen far more justly on us than on them for cold tormented the uncovered children of earth when they were without skins but to be destitute of a purple garment adorned with gold and cumbrous figures causes no inconvenience to us provided that we have instead of it a common dress that may defend us against the weather the human race accordingly labour perpetually in vain and to no purpose and consume their life in empty cares evidently because they do not know what is the proper limit to acquisition and how far real pleasure extends and this ignorance has gradually carried them into a sea of evils and thoroughly aroused the mighty tumults of war but the wakeful and untiring sun and moon that illumine with their light the vast revolving region of the heaven taught mankind that the seasons of the year proceed and that everything is carried on by a certain law and in a certain order they afterwards passed their lives defended with strong fortresses and the earth divided and marked out was cultivated and peopled the sea was next covered with ships for the sake of perfumes men had auxiliaries and allies with settled treaties the poets now began to hand down great deeds in their poems letters had only a short time before been discovered hence our age cannot trace what previously occurred except so far as reason gives indications ships and the culture of land walls of cities laws arms roads garments and other things of this kind all the blessings and all the delights of life poems pictures and artfully wrought statues improving use and the experience of the active mind proceeding step by step taught all mankind gradually to adopt thus time by degrees suggests every discovery and skill evolves it into the regions of light and celebrity thus in the various arts we see that different inventions proceed from different minds until they reach the highest point of excellence end of section fifteen book five part three recording by nathan at antipodeanwriter.wordpress.com